I no doubt believe that in five to ten years' time, the sort of things that we're currently doing will have to be core business of a university, being able to design and deliver these online experiences and scale really quickly and develop products that are needed in the market within months, not years. Hello, and welcome to KPMG's Talking Tertiary podcast, where we reimagine tertiary education for a changing world. I'm Stephen Parker, KPMG's education sector leader in Australia. In this year's series, I'm particularly interested in talking to people who are at the forefront of change in tertiary education as a thinker, a manager, or a business owner. And I'm gathering views from inside and outside the formal tertiary sector on topics such as impending disruption, new business and delivery models, new types of institution, and new government policies, any of which could upend the traditional way of doing things. Well, today I'm pleased to welcome David Bowser, the CEO and founder of Curio. We'll hear more about the business Curio shortly, but I thought I'd focus first on the word itself. A Curio is a small and unusual object considered to be of special interest or value. Now, David Bowser himself is certainly an unusual object, although not a small one. David is a neuroscientist and was an academic at Melbourne and Cambridge universities before moving into consulting, where he was a principal and the education sector leader at Naus Group. He established Curio in 2016 and has launched several interesting ventures within it, as we will hear. David Bowser, welcome to Talking Tertiary. Thank you, Stephen. Can we start by you telling my devoted listeners about Curio and the lines of business that it encompasses? Absolutely. So Curio is an interesting organisation and it's interesting in that it's really its basis, as you said at the start, around a, a Curio in itself and the antique that is a, a Curio. is a little bit of a small entity that hopefully punches above its weight and has much more influence than that. But it's also about, for us, around curiosity and creativity. <laughs> and that's the part that really got me interested and interested in trying something different from standard management consulting in that respect to the education sector. And so there are three main things that we do. One is, yes, we still do management consulting, but very much bespoke sorts of work. We'll work with executive teams on their strategy, but even more so these days in trying to think about how do they deal with an online world? How do they move the organisation or the business into dealing more with online learning and online spaces? more than anything else. The second part of what we're doing is also related to online learning, which is in online learning design and development and delivery of those experiences, usually in partnership with universities or increasingly with professional bodies or mm -hmm. in corporates as well. And that's a really fast-growing part of the business also. Our final part of it, which is sort of taking all of it and putting it together as we refer to it these days as almost a, a university or an education provider in a box. And by that, I mean that we have set up everything that is actually required for an education provider to go to market. We can do all of the student attraction. We can do the lead generation. We can bring in new courses very quickly and do products ridiculously quickly in around about three to four months now into market. We can then host them on our own learning management systems. We can assess them. We can do absolutely everything. The only thing we can't do is accredit them. And I think we'll probably leave it that way for a while. <laughs> Well, plenty for me to um, develop and delve into there, David. 
I guess where I, w- I would start from this is because I'm interested in disruption. Mm. You say you're working mainly with universities, but not exclusively. Correct. To what extent are you an adjunct? Are you facilitating just new directions for universities? Or are you actually an emerging competitor? Uh, Clayton Christensen, when talking about mm. disruption, talked about disruption from beneath. Yes. Um, are you one of those? And I am a big fan of Clayton Christensen. If those who follow me on LinkedIn will know I talk about his work and sadly he passed away very recently. I am a big fan of the emerging way of going around about disruption, but very much on purpose, we're not moving into the space, which is why I said accreditation. And often people will say to us, often from a journalistic point of view, you're trying to disrupt the university business model. And Uh I'm absolutely not trying to disrupt the university business model. And I don't think we'd see ourselves as that either. However, what we do believe, and this is probably the old academic in me in some respects still talking, is we can help universities universities do things that they currently can't do very easily. I no doubt believe that in five to 10 years time, the sort of things that we're currently doing will have to be core business of a university, being able to design and deliver these online experiences and scale really quickly and develop products that are needed in the market within months, not years. And universities will get there, I believe. It's just right now they can't. So our position in the market is very much one of trying to enable them to be able to do the things that they can't quite do right now. Okay. Well, I suppose a traditional university would say, well, we believe in the teaching research nexus. All that we teach, including the curriculum, obviously, Mm. that we're working from, the syllabus, is informed by our scholarship and by research. But you're not a research organisation, so what do you say to that? Mm. Well, we don't bring content. Okay. We work with others on the content. So we'll always work with universities, with their academics Mm -hmm. in partnership. And I think we've worked out really good ways of working in partnership with academics or with subject matter experts. But also increasingly, I think what we're learning in the postgrad space, particularly, is that if you're a postgrad student, you're looking for things that have absolute industry and workplace relevancy immediately. Mm -hmm. In an undergraduate course, less so. People are still interested in it, but not as much as they are in a postgrad course. And therefore, being able to bring together and pair up an academic with the theoretical, the research and the understanding together with an industry expert who has on-the-ground practical experience and bringing them together to create an amazing postgrad experience Mm -hmm. is what customers are looking for from what I've been able to see so far. That's fascinating. So I know when we met previously, you were talking about another line of business, sessions, where you were bringing sessional teachers in. I don't think you mentioned that in the overview of your business. No, I didn't. So we talk about these things in very different ways, I guess. So the products that we have have come about because clients have expressed a need, and this has often been informed by our strategy consulting work, and they've expressed a need in a particular area for a particular service or product. And that's led us into the space of product development and particularly online services. So often software as a service type services. We have three products in market at the moment and we usually have a few others running in our lab. And the reason why we do it is that it keeps our staff interested and it allows us to attract interesting staff Mm -hmm. is the best way of thinking about it. We create opportunities for people to be able to try out different things. And as you said, one of those products is Sessions, one that we started with around about three years ago now. It's a marketplace Mm -hmm. for casual academics, but also actually facilitators for online learning, TAFE educators, so vocational educators. It's launched here in Australia with around about 15,000 academics on it at the moment. It's launching in the UK next week. 
Is that right? Yeah. Goodness. So it's moving along pretty pretty quickly, actually, and it allows universities and others, to be honest, completely and utterly for free to go and find casual academic staff or subject matter experts, as the case may be. So that's one. The second one is a product called Palette, which is a front-end sales engine for the Canvas Learning Management System. It enables universities who have all of their course content sitting in Canvas, which is, as you probably know, one of the fastest growing learning management systems in the in the world, to take the courses that they already have and go direct to market with literally the click of a button. And that then pushes the course out into our marketplace that they can then go direct to market with under their own branding. So it's not like a FutureLearn or an edX or Coursera type program where it's sitting within their aggregating marketplace. This is a bespoke offering. So it allows a university such as University of Southern Queensland that we work with in partnership to take their courses direct to market. That came about, again, through working with them on their strategy of the organisation. The third one is an interesting one, I think, for me in particular, being a former academic and perhaps also for you, which is in managing academic workloads. It's called Opus at the moment, and we're rolling it out with two other universities at present. It enables universities to manage academic workloads and staff workloads, but particularly it brings academics into the actual mix and into the conversation to be able to say what their availability is and what there isn't. And so therefore, universities can actually take that to work out what is the real cost of delivering a particular course. So they're just three of them in market, but the real reason we do them is we can absolutely see a way for us to be more influential than just doing management consulting work. It actually moves into the application of it. But also, as I said at the start, it gives our staff an opportunity to try out something different and try out something that's a bit more innovative and think about product design and design thinking and service design and what will the user experience look like? What's the user interface going to be? Also allows us to develop a really high-end development team on site who can then think about, well, how do we actually deliver these products and make them work? And at the same time, we can actually work really closely with clients to build exactly what it is that they need so we can respond in a co-design fashion immediately. So let me think ahead now. A few years' time, there's a lot of talk around about whether the traditional, the standard business model of a university is sustainable in the long term. On this podcast series and separately, I've been talking and writing about the possible shocks that might come to the system. As you and I are speaking now, the coronavirus has not reached its peak impact as far as we know, but whether it's epidemic, pandemic, the arrival of a big competitor, something might happen in the next few years that really tests out the standard business model of a university. And that standard business model is by and large that it develops and delivers all its own stuff. But think about an alternative where a university says to itself, well, look, we could be a platform, We could deliver other people's contents, but also we could outsource everything that someone else can do better than us to a provider, but we will have the academics, we will have the academic judgment, we'll do the research, we'll set the strategy. So is Curio the kind of business which down the track could say, we'll run you for yourselves and you call the shots? Absolutely. I think we potentially could in the future or organisations similar to ours. And in some cases in the online world for better part of 10 years, there's been these very large organisations called online program managers who have done essentially that for a cut of student fee. Um, And in some cases, a very hefty cut of student fee. And we absolutely see ourselves playing in that particular space. 
However, I have a almost philosophical objection to the student fee cut. And that's because I believe that it doesn't actually allow the university to be truly rewarded for what they actually do and invest the resources and the, I guess, the income that they generate into some of their other core activities that they need to be doing, which is around research and community engagement and engaging more broadly in their community. And what we've found is that we can effectively do a lot of the teaching in a more cheaper way is probably the easiest way to think about it, and yet still get higher satisfaction ratings than they can actually get on campus. Well, in the early 1960s, the architect of the University of California system, Mm. Clark Kerr, Mm. defined a university as a collection of academic entrepreneurs brought together by a common concern over car parking. Yes. So you can (laughs) organise... The biggest issue in every university is car parking. Absolutely. But you can, you know, and it was a metaphor, car parking, really, but you could do all of that and then the academics could do what they're there to do and the researchers what they're to do. Absolutely. And be experts in their field and not only in in the research but also in guiding what is the curriculum what do we need to be teaching okay. they don't necessarily have to be the person at the front of that class of 25 students delivering that particular experience but at the same time they also need to be out there and more engaging with our community with our politicians with our governments to actually have the influence that we would like them to have as a community because sure. we're all investing in who they are and what they are well david you said that you weren't a disruptor but I'm not so sure now. Anyway, it's it's fascinating to hear. From within, Stephen. (laughs) It's fascinating to hear what you're doing and it's great to hear about pioneering and path-breaking work in the tertiary sector. So thank you for joining me and talking tertiary. Thanks, Stephen. Well, that was my conversation with David Bowser from Curio. You can listen to other episodes in seasons one and two on our website, kpmg.com slash au slash talking tertiary or wherever you find your podcasts. Thanks for listening and I'll speak with you next time on Talking Tertiary. <laughs>